0: These are stories of women, mothers, and enterprises filled with grit, gumption, and overcoming. We're in the midst of adversity. We see her rise up. She makes a choice. She chooses to emerge. I'm your host, Becca Erickson. Hey everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of the To Emerge podcast. You have no idea who you're about to hear from. Oh, you guys, it's Roxanne Battle. So she is doing some work with Fox 9 these days, but you probably know her better in Twin Cities from Care 11, so many years there as an anchor. She is Twin Cities' mama anchor consultant, author, a woman of journalism, storytelling, and grace. And we love you, you pocket of joy. So we're gonna get into all kinds of things with you, but welcome. Thank you so
1: much. What a intro, Becca. Oh my gosh. I'm gonna go everywhere with with you. I was like, who is she talking about? Oh, that's (laughs) me. (laughs) See
0: all the things you've done, Roxanne Battle? Do you see? Can you see all the things your life has turned into?
1: I'm old. I've lived a long time. Oh, good. But you know, I, I will say, I will say that, that I'm really grateful to have a second and a third and a fourth mm. act. Those are my pockets of joy. The fact that I keep sort of reinventing myself and keep finding new things to do, even at this stage in my life,
0: right. that life
1: is still ex- exciting and exhilarating and there's still new discovery. It's awesome.
0: I know. I know. Do you feel like the 20s and 30s for you was so much defined by motherhood or more about being an anchor?
1: The 20s was all about, I would say, I intentionally said the 20s was going to be about my career. Yeah. That I was going to do whatever I could to get back to Minneapolis and be an anchor in my hometown. And so that's, that's what I did for the better part of that decade. And then once you grab the brass ring and you land the dream job, Then it's all about being a mom. But Mm -hmm. so in the 30s, that was all about being a mom, and it's primarily. And then secondary was a career. But as you know, from reading Pockets of Joy, just as I grabbed the brass ring in my early thirties, everything came crashing down. Just everything I'd worked for, for the, in my twenties, just as soon as I got there, my personal life fell apart. Yeah. And so that's where the book came out of, is how do you find joy during the difficult moments in life? Hmm. And I and did how, that. how old is your son now? Year. my son now he graduated from college last year so saturday he turns 25
0: right so now he's in that
1: that career building phase of, of
0: yes life. Hmm. yes
1: and, and you know and i find myself being more of a mentor than a mom hmm. you know and i find myself saying to him gosh honey you remind me so much of me when i was your age you know and we talk about how laying track down at this stage in your life has a significant impact on your trajectory once you get into your 30s right and yeah. so uh we we have that kind of conversation all the time and and uh and i'm grateful that we're very close to have a great relationship and he still asks me for advice and and i can tell him some of the lessons i've learned some of the pitfalls that i stumbled into and you know and how i found my way back but i see my son back looking at my life. I see him creeping on my social media page, right? <laughs> and I see him showing up to my speaking engagements. And I, I can see that he's, he's looking at how his mom keeps reinventing herself. And I think yeah. he's inspired by that.
0: Yeah. I mean, what a great lesson to show a kid in developmental years, but then as your, your kid becomes an adult, they mm-hmm. still need to see you as right. a pillar of what values you ever wanted to
1: impart upon him. And I think the thing that one of the greatest lessons we can teach our children is perseverance. Mm -hmm. You know, life as a single mom is hard. I've lived it. I know it. It defined me. And it's very difficult. People used to ask me all the time, I don't know how you do it. How do you do it? Sometimes I'd get a little ticked off when that said said that. And sometimes I would just show them how I did it, right? Yeah. But the key, the key in any difficult situation in life is just to press through it. It's just to keep yeah. going through it. Just Even if it's just one day at a time. In my darkest moments, my friends and mentors and family members would say, don't think about tomorrow or next week or, you know, how are you going to pay the bill next month? Just take it one day at a time, you know, and give it all you got. Persevere and let it sort of, and it, things always seem to work, especially if you're a woman of faith like I am. Things just yeah. seem to work out as long as you don't give up.
0: No kidding. And then he saw that. He saw that in every season. Was there a time when he was being actively co-parented or did he just spend time well, with only
1: you? I think why Pockets of Joy did so well, Becca, why I got, first of all, when I first published it, I self-published in 2015 and the book had immediate success. It went right to the bestseller list in single parenting and Amazon. And then nine months later, it got picked up by Whitaker House Publishing out east. And they you know gave me a book deal, six weeks to write eight more chapters because they loved what I was talking about, Right. And then again, as soon as the re relaunch in 2017, now the book's not a paperback, it's a hardcover, mm-hmm. and it's twice as long as the original version. It shoots right back up to single parenting, motherhood, and divorce. And here's why, to answer your question. What editors told me all along the way is that I could have very easily disparaged my ex-husband, mm-hmm. you know, and not given him, him his props. I did the exact opposite. And so what Pockets of Joy is about is... Amicable co-parenting. Yeah. My son has an equal relationship with me and his father because even though our adult differences caused the marriage to end, we made a concerted effort To come together in the name of our son and do what we could to do right by him. So he has a great relationship with the both of us. Even to this day, I just got a text yesterday from my ex-husband saying, Hey, you know, you know, the boy's birthday is this weekend. You know, here's what I'm planning on doing. I mean, he's 25 years old and we're still talking about (laughs) birthday party. Yeah. Boy, you know. (laughs) So he stayed in the Twin Cities. Yes, he he okay. stayed, He he graduated uh, from college a year ago. He went to the college here in the state and now he's working a job out in Shakopee and doing well. And he's envisioning things, an entrepreneur one day. I don't know where he gets that from. That's great. Yeah.
0: Did the book do anything between your relationship with your son once it came out or did he know these stories and he knew what would be written and he could look at his life through that book and say, yeah, this is all exactly what I experienced too of my mom.
1: He actually wrote a chapter in the book and it fit beautifully in what I had, what i had written before and what I had written after. And his dad also helped co-write a chapter in the book. And so I think, yes, I think my son knew the stories. But when I put them all together and he was able to look at the journey that we we were on. I mean, obviously the stories has a book starts when I'm in Lama's class. Obviously he was oblivious to all of that. <laughs> right, right. So <laughs> to answer your question, I think, you know, the book provided him a window, Becca, into my mindset of his mom. After reading Pockets of Joy, I think my son understood why I tried so hard to be a mom and what was motivating me and why I really strove to have a good relationship with his father. I think he understands my motivation now, having read my internal thinking and where I was going through in the phases of my life. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question, by the way, no one's ever asked me that.
0: (laughs) Well, I just, I imagine like if I wrote down so many of my thoughts, would my daughter say, yep, I experienced all of that with my mom as a parent and now I'm experiencing it through the lens of her as a
1: woman and her as a, as an adult. That's exactly, you know, they asked me what he thought about the book and you know, he's obviously very supportive, but they never asked that question that you just asked about, you know, his reaction. Did he know some of the stories? And I I think we sat on and talked about it after it was, you know, out and I could just see that he understood things a little better. It brought clarity to his childhood and our our family. And it really was a, a benefit that I went through this process to write things out. Even my ex-husband had said, I really think you should do this when he gave his blessing for the mm. book to happen. so
0: Well, that's smart yeah. of you too, to go ahead and make sure that it's not there to create more of a wedge. You kind of got everyone's blessing for it. That was wise. Yeah,
1: yeah. Kind of brought us a little bit, even closer together. I'm
0: well, sure. the truth should do that. I don't know why the truth keeps right. pushing people away from each other. Right. <laughs> Right. Let's just reconcile things for what they were. It's pretty right, weird. and good too that you know the book came out when he was 22, mm-hmm. so he could look through the lens of someone who had lived a life maturely instead of
1: as a 15 year old who doesn't know what to do with his mother. Right. I mean, one of the things that you know, being a news anchor and a news reporter, we had a very privileged life in the fact that you know, Jarrett was around celebrities and famous people, yeah. we went on cool trips and that kind of thing. So from a kid's lens, he had a great time doing all of that. Totally. But mom was working her butt off on those trips, right? And and I think I write about that. And so that added an extra layer of understanding for him too. Well, it's
0: true because now he's trying to make a career for himself, you know, and he can see himself in you and be like, oh my word. Yeah, this was all about mom parenting me, but she couldn't just give up everything she built for a decade. <laughs> You know, you worked very hard to have that inroad, which probably gave you a chance to come back to it. Just the same way that you make really good inroads for yourself with him. It was easy to then balance journalism again because you guys had a good enough relationship that he was like, now she's abandoning me if she's going back to, you know, doing all this anchor, author, you know, when you
1: build both paths well. Yeah. Well, you know, the thing about it is, he thought the television station was a playground because he came to work with me so often yeah you know, there was this little ramp that you walked up from the lobby into the newsroom and he just, would I, I still have visions of him running up and down that ramp like it was a game at the state fair, right? And then his favorite candy in the vending machine. And, you know, there were times I'd come in on the weekend and work on a story and he'd curl up and fall asleep on the mm. sofa. I was really proud of the fact that, you know, Jared was pretty well behaved as a child. There weren't a lot of tantrums and and acting out and people would often ask me, how did you do that? And it's because we were really close and I brought him everywhere and he spent a lot of time with me and he just, he, he was comfortable being in adult spaces. Yeah. He was always really sort of an old soul. So, you know, I mean, and to this day, to this day, you know, like we'll, we'll just hang out together, you know, we'll go to the fair together or we'll go go shopping, you know, the outlet mall or something like that, which has always been and still is one of our favorite things to do. Mm. So that closeness remains.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Did you feel like people were largely accepting of him as, as your wingman? Did you, or did you sort of come up against stigma as like, well, here's a woman anchor who's now a single mother and now she's bringing her son along? Or were people super gracious?
1: They loved Jared. Mm. They, they loved my son. They were super, super gracious. Oh. If there was some pushback, I, it wasn't necessarily vocalized in my presence, read right. between the lines. Right. <laughs> um, but they had, you know, people were very gracious towards my son and I. Yeah. So you didn't necessarily feel public
0: stigmatism when you had him in tow, but what, was there something about your single motherhood narrative that was like, hmm, now this is me. Now I'm a single mom and everyone's looking at me and wondering why.
1: They knew I went through a divorce, mm-hmm. Um, but I was very private about it. I didn't talk too much about it and the truth of the matter is i didn't want it to get the best of me this thing happened to me i still had this baby to raise i still had this incredibly high profile job and i think the thing that bothered me probably more than anything else was the stigma that they of African American children who are raised in single parented homes sure. that, that say that uh, an African American male who's raised in a single parent home is more likely to go to prison or never graduate from high school or be or die before he reaches adulthood. Sure. And 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 I write about that in Pockets of Joy how that I would get on the news and read those stories and then go home to a beautiful curly haired brown eyed little boy looking up at his mama. And so in some ways I internalized that and said, that is not going to be my son. Yeah. And that was part of my motivation on why I worked so hard as I did. Because I wanted Mm -hmm. him to give, give, that just wasn't going to happen. And I wanted to prove, and I did, I proved those statistics wrong.
0: I love that. I know there's some, there's sometimes something that we stand on that, it's like you want to use narrative or data to weaponize my situation. Well, I will use that and stand on it and make sure it's not happening in this household. You know, exactly
1: That's exa- exact great paraphrase.
0: I love that. Yeah. Okay. So tell everyone what you're up to these days. You busy, busy woman
1: lots of speaking uh you know the speaking schedule is kind of like the academic schedule it starts in september and goes all the way through Uh, may or so i have speaking engagements lined up through april of 2019 and so the book has been very successful in launching a speaking platform which is what i wanted i talk about happiness i talk about uh the science of happiness i talk about joy but I talk about work-life balance, but more than anything, when I, whether it's a corporate setting or whether it's you know, to a church group or, or whether to you know, HR people call me, I talk about transition. Transition, the degree to which we make those adjustments. She started the podcast talking about how I'm, I'm in my second and third act and I'm this woman who's doing all these things. I'm transitioning from one thing to the next. And that's where I find the joy. And so I spend a lot of time talking about to people about how to navigate transitions. And one of the keys is just to accept the phase of life that you're in right now and then ask yourself, what am I going to do about it? Yeah. Yeah,
0: no kidding. And, and when you can transition with poise, it'll not only make you credible to everyone who's watching the transition, but also... <laughs> I mean, it just allows you to retap into some passion and focus on that next thing, you know, instead of being yeah. scattered, like you really have fully transitioned into this next act, as you say, so that you can do
1: that with passion. It's beautiful. Well, the feedback that I'm getting is, is, and you said it earlier, you know, you remember me from being on Care 11 and, you know, and I'm the same, the person that you saw on TV as I am the person you're talking to right now. And I think that people have a great appreciation, yes, for authenticity, and they're, they're grateful for the work that I did do on TV, that it was excellent work. They respect the fact that I continue to do excellent work. Mm. The only difference now is, you know, I spent a lifetime telling other people's stories. And now in this new chapter of my life, I have grown into a place to tell my own story. And people really appreciate
0: that. Yes. Right. And you can articulate it so well. And you do it in a way where people attach themselves to things about your own narrative that it makes it good for the common group. You
1: know, Try to find the common ground. What I don't want to do is preach at people or make them feel bad. Or more importantly than anything else, what I don't want to do is come off saying, I have all the answers because I don't. You know, I was very careful in the tone of Pockets of Joy to say, "Look, this is what happened to me, and this is how I dealt with it. Here are some things that I implemented that really, really helped." And so I'm sharing them with you, with the hopes that maybe there's there's something you can glom on to, or something that you can glean from right. that will help you in your journey as well. Yeah, yeah, I will say
0: I'll attest to that. I mean, people, I have a signed copy of Pockets of Joy, just so y'all know, um, and I. <laughs> Not once, Roxanne, was I reading it thinking, oh, this is just a story about her, or she needed to flush some things out for herself as she got on paper. No, I read the whole thing as like this long note of encouragement. You know, it's oh. just, it just pushes people again to that authenticity and to be encouraged. Oh. It's like, oh, we so can, cool. right? We can all use each other's narrative to say, hmm, I know how to rise up through this. I know how to find the joy in these things, you know. It's just
1: it's a beautiful book. That's very sweet. A long note of encouragement. I really thank you for that. Cause I I, I wanted to be helpful. I you know, it was like women like you, you know, I, I wrote with who the audience was in mind and it was women <laughs> like you. you <laughs>
0: yeah, know? yeah, it was. With,
1: you know, career kids, trying to figure it out, curious about faith. A moment ago you talked about stigma. A moment ago we talked about how difficult it is being a single mom. And so if that's a large part of the, my reader base the last thing I wanted to do is hit them over the head right. and tell them what they're not doing or what they should do right, again you know it's hard we're all in this together let's come together here's some stories here's some advice and let's help each other on this journey let's help each other find those pockets of joy
0: mm. Mm. see why I just want to talk to you all the time <laughs> okay listen i have two questions okay one is like the really serious question so we'll end right. but i'm putting in my we, thinking yeah. before we do that one i really have to ask you this what in my memory i always see you in red <laughs> and this is like i don't know why but was that like your favorite on camera
1: color that is such a great question the red was the power suit and it was an unspoken rule that when you made it as Great. an anchor you got to wear the red suit wait what tell me everything you can, so if you're in your first year you better not show up in red Well, you can wear red you can, i mean but but it was just this unspoken i remember when i went and bought bought my red suit i bought a couple of them and then and there's See, a you it I knew. yeah Yep, no, yeah, no, and yes, when I was on Care 11, red was my favorite color, but the red represented that you, you're doing okay, you're doing okay, yeah, I love these (laughs) layers of like psychology that you just unlocked for me, yeah, that's such a, I have, you know, these questions, I've done like, you know, quite a few interviews, I'm not getting these questions from anybody, this is great, I love these questions, (laughs) you're just getting the crazy mind of Becca today, I love it, I just love it.
0: <laughs> well let me just say too though like you look good in blue you look good in black <laughs> oh girl you just got some presence okay
1: Thank you. i don't this have a favorite. color right now just, you don't just color just color i love color
0: yeah yeah and is a joy is yellow i mean this whole yellow. butterfly and yellow yeah. and
1: mm-hmm.
0: yeah you just kind of do emanate a, a lot of sunshine
1: yellow is a happy color psychologists tell you totally
0: and the butterfly thing, it's like, don't even get me started. I mean, emerge the whole reason I branded that way. And then you talk about the butterfly, Right? a, a butterfly. Even, yes. Yes. Like the wings and the pushing out and the, Oh my goodness. The, the just overlap just destroys me every time. <laughs> I'm going to try to land this plane here with this question. I don't know if this would be a season where you were juggling uh, life as a as a storyteller and an anchor and a mother and a divorced woman who was just sort of left the shambles, or maybe this is in a totally different season of life that we haven't talked about, but was there a time when the earth just kind of fell under you? And you're like, there's nothing left for me. There's nothing left. But some small voice said, yeah, Roxanne, this is what's left for you. This one thing. What, what would that have been? What got you
1: through? Tomorrow Hmm. and my faith. I always, you know, I believe that, you know, we're to have life and have it more abundantly. And as long as I had my faith, I could get up. And tomorrow was another day to try and get it right, to try again. As long as I woke up every morning and had breath in my body, that was another day to get it right. And another day to ask God to show me the way, to put me on the path, to to hold my hand and to help me find my way. I. I have no words after that
0: <laughs> if if we don't have a level of self-forgiveness and a clinging to hope, yeah, what do we have?
1: right and and my faith was, was, was what sustained me um and God has shown himself very faithful in my life. You know, I've got the second and third act, right? And I, I have no idea what else I'm going to, we know we, we're going to do this podcast a year from now. And you're go, Roxanne, what are you doing? Dude, I'm doing act eight, girl. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. So, yeah, I, there are many, many days I cry a lot. You know, uh, people. I, would, I often think that people would say, uh, you know, when I was on the air, they would not know just how, how hard my life was. And I cried a lot, but it was my faith that sustained me. It was the love of my child and the hope for his future. It was the tribe that came to my rescue and surrounded me and uh, just the hope for a better day. And here I am now, 10 something years removed from that, sharing this story with others to say it's possible. You can make it through those dark times. You can fi- find those pockets of joy. Just walk towards the light. Because yeah. that's where you'll find the joy.
0: Yeah, we
1: agree. I
0: mean, we say it. You make a choice, and you make a choice to rise up, and you can emerge, or you can just look at look at the ashes. And we don't we don't believe in that. We believe that you choose to rise up.
1: You d- deciding to be happy, choosing to be free. Exactly. Yes. Look at all
0: these little book. Kn- I must have read it because it's like in there, right? Seeking <laughs> <CD now. laughs> <laughs> Roxanne, thank you for your time. You are just a gift to so many women, both in the professional arena and as moms and as truth tellers and as writers. So you're just sweet.
1: That uh, You've made my day and I thank you. I, I, I've, I, have, I think I'm doing what, what you know God wants me to do and I continue on the journey mm-hmm. and I appreciate your support and all the people who've supported the book. It's just been one fantastical journey.
0: Yes. Yes, it has. This podcast is sponsored by Emerge Mothers Academy, a Twin Cities nonprofit equipping single moms through social work, counseling, work preparation, and a microloan grant program. We believe all moms can emerge as confident women and caring moms. To get involved or support us, please visit emergetwincities.org. The Two Emerge podcast is brought to you by Emerge Mothers Academy. Please subscribe to our podcast and leave us a positive review. A special thanks to our media manager, Laurel Goulson, and to Jessica Manning for our music.